When we're in any city, we do like to try to check out the LGBTQ district just because we think it's something really interesting to learn about, to talk about, and just to support. But at the same time, if we travel somewhere that doesn't have one, that's not something that we're super upset about. We don't necessarily only want to go to places that are like LGBTQ friendly or LGBTQ inclusive. We will still go to places like, for example, in the Philippines that is not as LGBTQ friendly as some other places because there are people there who are LGBTQ. They have experiences that are just as valid as anyone else. And really, we should be able to go everywhere in the world. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and you're listening to the Let's Go Together podcast. Today, I'm joined by Gabby and Shanna, a New York-based couple who created the popular LGBTQ travel blog, 27 Travels. In this episode, we explore the nuances of exploring the world as a lesbian couple and learn more about their favorite LGBTQ friendly destinations. Hi, Gabby and Shanna. Hi. Hey. (laughs) So happy to have you guys here. And looking at your Instagram, the first thing that I notice is there's just so much love between the two of you, which is (laughs) really, really beautiful and sweet and loving. So I just wanted to like share that first observation. But what we're here to talk about today is your experiences in the world as a couple who appears to be madly in love and how you're traversing the world. So please tell me a little bit about each of you, your background, where you're from. I'm Gabby. I'm a photographer from Brooklyn, and that's kind of my background. I went to art school, and I always traveled with my family. My family's from Curacao, and my grandmother still lives there, so we would basically travel every year there, and that kind of made me fall in love with travel, and my family also just traveled a lot, you know, so that's definitely a little bit of my background. Shanna? So I'm originally from Long Island, New York, but after college, I moved to Queens, and I kind of felt like more of myself you know, here in the city, that is just definitely more my vibe. And actually, the how I got into traveling was my best friend actually lives in Sweden. And when I was like in college and stuff, I would travel to go see her. And we would not only go, you know, to Sweden, or she would come here, but we would travel around Europe together and go to other places. So I just fell in love with travel that way. And then when Gabby and I met actually on our first date, one of the first things that we talked about was travel because she had just come back from her yearly trip to Curacao. And right off the bat, we were like, oh my God, we are traveling together. Like this is something that we're going to do. And now here we are almost five years later. And I was just going to ask that. How did you two meet? So we actually met at a really popular lesbian bar in New York City called Cubbyhole. It's actually only one of three lesbian bars in New York City. But we also actually met on Pride. So it's like, Pride in New York City at one of the only lesbian bars, and we were in the bar together, just happened to be there at the same time, and Gabby started talking to me. Ah, I see, I see. Was it like just like a friendly high, or was it like picking you up type of situation? <laughs> it was kind of like a picking her up kind of situation. I mean, at least I was trying to, but then we just wound up like talking and getting along really well. And then funny enough, it took us another six months to actually start dating. So we kind of like stopped talking for a little while, started talking again. And then the minute we started talking again, it was just like immediate together. Oh, I love that. And you said that you both realized you had a love for travel early on. When was your first trip together? Was it domestic or international? And tell us about each one that you've taken with each other. So our first trip together was actually to Philadelphia, which is only like a two-hour drive from New York City. I actually have a car, so that's pretty rare for people in New York City to have a car. So we are able to do a lot of road trips and things like that. 
But we went to Philadelphia and Philadelphia is also just like a really accepting city for the LGBTQ community. So for our first trip, we had such an amazing time there. There's a lot of US history that takes place in Philadelphia. So we just had a great time there exploring. And since Gabby's a photographer and I actually also am a videographer and video editor, we just were naturally like, you know, taking pictures and filming things on our first trip. And then this was in 2016, by the way. And we were like, oh my God, like maybe we should just like, you know, make a separate Instagram, just like post our travel stuff, you know, like we'll just see what happens. And yeah, that's kind of like how 27 Travels happened. It happened actually right after our first domestic trip together. And where did you guys go internationally together first? Or have you traveled internationally yet? Oh, yeah, we've been a lot of places internationally. I think the first one together was Curacao. But then like that same year, we also went to Costa Rica and Panama together. And what is the significance behind the number 27? You says it means a lot to the both of you. And that's the name of your brand. So give us a little bit of context with that. So it's so funny because people almost never know. We basically get every question about what 27 travels means. Like, are you both 27? Are you going on 27 trips and then you're done? Like so many crazy questions. But really what 27 stands for is our anniversary. It's kind of our number. We got together on the 27th. So the number 27 just has a like really personal significance for us in terms of like our relationship and what we stand for. I love it. So basically tell us to stop overthinking it. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So during your travels, and I love to know each of your perspectives, do you feel a heightened sense of awareness or having to be extra cautious as a lesbian couple traveling? And Shanna, I'd love to start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think safety for us is always our number one priority. Like before we decide to go anywhere, like the first thing we do, whether it's in the United States or out of the country, is look up the laws of that country regarding homosexuality and same-sex marriage and also the public opinion of the people who live in that country as well, just so that we kind of have an idea before going there, okay, you know, Maybe right off the bat, we shouldn't hold hands because we're not sure how they're going to accept us. Or if we're going somewhere that is extremely accepting, like this past weekend, we were just in Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is like one of the most LGBTQ friendly places probably in the world. So there we were just like, oh, you know, no problem. We can hold hands. We could be ourselves. We don't have to worry about it. But for most of the time, we definitely do our research first just to make sure that we're going to be safe. And then from there, once we get to the place, we kind of do another assessment of like, okay, you know, the vibe here seems like really cool and like really welcoming, you know, maybe it would be fine if we, you know, held hands or kissed or something like that. But if we go somewhere and we kind of don't really feel very welcomed, or we just feel like we can't really be ourselves there, then we just won't show that we're a couple. So we won't hold hands or we won't do any PDA since we're both feminine passing, that is a privilege of ours to be able to do that because there are other LGBTQ relationships where they won't be able to show that they're not a couple no matter what they do. So that is a privilege of ours to be able not to do that. But yeah, we definitely always are worried about safety, number one. Absolutely. Gabby, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that traveling as a lesbian couple, we just always have a heightened awareness about like our surroundings and the people around us. I mean, even just as women, that's something that we're really conscious of because if we're traveling somewhere, whether it's in our country or like abroad, and we don't know how people treat women there specifically, that can also be something that's an issue and that we have to be really careful about. 
What have you seen in the differences between traveling domestically as a couple and internationally as a couple? It truly depends on the city or the state or the country. Like every place is different. For example, like in New York City, where we're from, or in other urban cities, we have felt like really comfortable being ourselves. If we see like a pride flag in the city or outside of a store or like a little pride sticker in in a window of a shop or something, no matter where it is, we automatically feel like, okay, we can be ourselves here. But it could be the same thing. For example, if we're traveling, we just did a road trip throughout the Midwest and drove all the way from New York City to Wyoming. And some of the states in the middle there in the Midwest, we didn't really feel 100% comfortable being ourselves. So we just didn't hold hands or show any PDA. We just kind of were trying to like enjoy ourselves as best we could. But yeah, it really just depends on the place. I mean, there is no like set of rules you can follow. Be like, oh, here is fine. And here is this. Like everyone's going to have a different experience everywhere. You kind of have to assess the situation for yourself while you're there. That's the best advice I could give. It's interesting that you brought up privilege of Passing as feminine. Yes, exactly. Because we are both passing as feminine, we can kind of pass as like just friends or sisters if we don't show PDA. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, if people just look at us directly, if we're not holding hands, they'll just assume that we're friends traveling together, sisters, whatever it is. And that is a privilege because we can walk on the street and not hold hands and people won't assume that we're a couple. But there are other LGBTQ relationships where you know, they don't look like sisters or they don't look like friends. And there's no way immediately people look at them and know that they're a couple. So they would definitely face different discrimination than we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. This makes me also wonder, what type of impact does that have on you each personally to, in a way, you know, at times have to put on a front for your comfort and possibly safety What is it like to go back and forth depending on where you are and the people around you? So that's actually a great question. And I think it's something that we both think about a lot. I mean, me personally, I find it to be very difficult in situations sometimes because it can put you in a really awkward situation where then when you do have to say your sexuality, people can get angry at you or just become like really aggressive because they didn't realize that you were gay and things that that aren't issues. It's like kind of like going in and out of the closet, but like, when you're traveling all the time and you have to be very just like conscious of what you're saying. And that can just be really difficult. Shanna. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with, with Gabby, but at the same time, we still love traveling and we wouldn't just because we have to go through that experience. We, we wouldn't ever stop traveling. Like we would just love to live in a world one day where no one has to do that. And, you know, everyone can just travel freely, no matter their like race, gender, sexuality, anything like that. But unfortunately, now that is something that we do have to consciously think of all the time. But at the same time, it's like, it's not the only thing we're thinking about. We are still, you know, hiking and going into shops and exploring and like doing all of this stuff. So it's like, it kind of has become part of our like travel routine almost, whereas like, we know we're, that we're probably going to be in a situation where we have to do that. We just do it when we have to. And we just try and have the best time and enjoy ourselves because like for us, like there is no experience like traveling. One of the best things about traveling with a romantic partner is the freedom you feel. Exploring a new city or town and discovering new facets of your relationship is all a part of the fun. For LGBTQ couples, there can be limitations on their ability to love their partner openly in public. 
When we come back, Gabby and Shanna talk to me about how they navigate displaying their affection for one another while traveling. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back. Gabby and Shanna are an LGBTQ couple who have not let society's view on gay and lesbian relationships hinder how strongly they love each other. However, depending on where they are in the world, they do have to take precautions on how much PDA they display. Have you ever been in a place where you felt comfortable and thought it was all good and maybe showed PDA or affection towards one another and it wasn't received well? Honestly, like that happens the most in New York City where we live. And I think it's just because we do spend the like majority of our time here. Mm-hmm. There's more opportunity for that to happen if we're traveling somewhere for like a week or two weeks, you know. We're not around there as long as we are here. But yeah, there have been a few times in New York City where we've been holding hands and someone has, you know, like made a comment or like screamed something out the window. There's been a few times where we were in restaurants or bars in New York City and we were asked not to kiss each other or not to put like a hand on each other's leg or something. So I would say here in New York City is probably the best example we can give just because we are here like majority of the time. So we just, you know, experience that more. And when something like that happens, like how do you guys handle it? How do you approach the situation or or the person? So we always try to approach that situation as like calmly as possible. Like if it's the kind of situation where we're being made to feel really uncomfortable, like we will just try to like stand up for ourselves and leave, but we will never try and get aggressive with that person. We just don't feel like that's ever the right way to respond to that kind of situation. It just makes the other person even angrier when they were already being hateful in the first place. So we just kind of like say what we have to say and take our exit, I would say. And we try and like just brush it off as much as we can because we never want like a situation like that to necessarily like ruin our mood. Even if it upsets us at that moment, we just try and like move on with it and kind of see the positives to the situation that we're in. No, absolutely. There was actually one time where we were at like a public pool and we were just like hugging each other and a parent had made a comment to us like, oh, well, my daughter is right there and she's watching you. And we were like, oh, you know, like, well, we're not doing anything wrong. Like if you have a problem, like we can get the lifeguard and we can like talk about it or whatever. And then she kind of like quieted down and like didn't say anything. And then as we were leaving, we were like changing in the locker room. And there was another woman there who said like, she was like, so proud of us for standing up for ourselves because her son is actually gay. Like he came out to her and her son was also in the pool with her while we were there, like having that altercation with the woman. And she was saying like that, you know, she thinks that we're such good examples for her son because like he now knows that like, if someone says that to him, like he can stand up for himself and that it's okay. And like all this stuff. So like, even though there are moments where you know, maybe difficult things like that happen to us, as long as we handle it the right way, like you really never know who you're influencing in that moment. 
Absolutely. Actually, I really find that story beautiful because you were, while standing up for yourself, being an amazing example for someone else to gain more confidence on how to approach a situation. And kudos to the mom for supporting her child in that manner by even speaking to you because oftentimes we hear so many stories of how hard it is to communicate that with parents. And so there are so many different layers to that moment that had a really beautiful outcome for everyone involved, just to be honest with you. That's my perspective on it. What's the most LGBTQ-friendly international city that you've ever been to? Oh, that is such a hard one because I think that Shanna and I would both have different answers, actually. (laughs) Yeah, because we just like, we've been to so many places that each of us have like a favorite. But I mean, I really loved when we were in Italy. We had a really great experience in Italy. We felt like we could just be ourselves and nobody bothered us. And if we held hands, you know, no one even like looked at us weird. And it was just a really nice, we kind of like bounced around a few different parts of Italy, but we kind of felt that in every single part of Italy we went to and just wound up having the most amazing trip because of that. I will say that in Europe, holding hands is probably really, really common, even amongst like men in different parts of the world, more so than it is here in the States. So I think that they seem to be it depends on the country and more open to that type of endearment towards one another. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that's so nice for us when we're traveling like in Europe, because it's something that we always have to think so much about something as simple as like holding each other's hand, which is so nice to just be able to do and not have to worry about it, which when we're in Italy, for example, we're just able to do that. So I think my favorite would have to be Cape Town in South Africa, just traveling all throughout South Africa, which we did last year. You can just really feel that it's extremely welcoming. There are pride flags everywhere. There are lots of couples like holding hands. There's a few gay bars, um, things like that. So we just had an amazing time there. We felt extremely comfortable being ourselves. We didn't feel like we had to hide anything. And a lot of times this happens when you're um, a same-sex couple. Like when you're booking a hotel room, they like want to make sure that you want one bed. And (laughs) um In South Africa, that didn't happen. Like when we had our hotel rooms, like no one was like, oh, you know, do you want two beds? Are you sure about this? Blah, blah, blah. We were like, no one asked that, which is like also really nice. It's like very like subtle things. That is awesome. Yeah, I never would think about being pressured to answer a question about how many beds that I want. Whatever I booked is what I booked. And then that's the room that you should fulfill. So these are things that I, as a straight woman, wouldn't even have to think about and to hear that perspective is very interesting. You're like, no, I said what I said. We want one bed. Um, It's that simple. And it seems like sometimes people are trying to force their narrative on you by saying like, are you sure you don't need two beds? It's like, no, Joker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Did you hear me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's funny because that's like actually something that's like a constant when we travel is that people love to ask us about our bed situation and like just make sure a hundred times, even though we're saying, yeah, that's what we booked, that it is. My goodness. Can you think of any other uh, nuances like that that come up that like a straight person wouldn't necessarily have to think about? Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot of time also when we're taking like a taxi or an Uber or something like the driver's just trying to be friendly and being like, oh, you know, how do you two know each other? And then we have to immediately be like, we have to like look at each other and be like, okay, like, what do we say here? So like, we usually don't automatically say that we're a couple. We'll just be like, oh, yeah, like we're friends. And then if we start talking and like the conversation is going in a direction where we feel like we can like reveal that we're a couple, we will. So every time we get into a taxi now, we have to like have this like mental thing of, are we going to be a couple or are we not? (laughs) 
Throughout history, there's been a long practice of using signs and symbols to let an oppressed population know they're in a safe place. For the enslaved, there were quilts and coded designs placed outside of homes to let them know that the home was an underground railroad stop. According to folklore, safety pins were worn on garments to let Jewish people know that they were in the presence of an ally during the Nazi occupation. For the LGBTQ community, the simple act of seeing a rainbow flag outside of an establishment can be a big relief. I talked to Gabby and Shanna about pride flags as a sanctuary symbol. You brought up earlier when you were speaking about the pride flags in South Africa and how that made you like really feel welcome. And I read that if you see that in any store or establishment or town, it just gives you the sense of comfort very quickly and easily. Can you talk a little bit further about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, really any place we go in the world, like seeing a pride flag when you're a member of the LGBTQ community just instantly makes you feel safe and welcome there. Like I was saying earlier, we just did a road trip throughout the United States and driving through some states in the Midwest, you know, we don't really expect to see that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like, okay, if we see it, we see it. We were actually in this like town in South Dakota. There was a pride flag, but not only a pride flag, it was like the inclusive pride flag with like the black and brown colors and the transgender flag like being woven in as well. And we were just like, oh my God, you know, this is so amazing. And like in that one moment after driving through the Midwest where There are a lot of signs and symbols that definitely don't resonate with us. Seeing that is just like, it just feels like a safe haven. And no matter where we go in the world, anytime we see that, like, it makes us feel happy. It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel like we can be ourselves. And it also makes us like want to support those businesses because those businesses support us. So we're more likely to go into a shop or a coffee shop or a restaurant or really anything that has a pride flag outside. I completely can understand that. It's such a small nuance, but such a big, big thing to see something that you identify with, but more importantly, that it identifies with you. And that mutual comfort is just very important. And so I had a situation where I was in Breckenridge, Colorado, and I went into this store called the Mountain Goat in Breckenridge. And in the window, they had a photo honoring John Lewis. And I thought that was really, really beautiful, especially since Breckenridge is very much a like lily white town, if I'm just being frank and honest. And I also saw a pride sticker in the window. I was shopping and the guy who rung me up happened to be the owner. I said, I just want you to know, thank you so much for your sign out there for John Lewis. It's really beautiful. And I'm here because I want to support you know, your store. And he goes, oh, I'm so happy that you're in here. He's like, yeah, you'd be surprised about how many people won't shop in here because I have his photo there or that I have the pride flag, you know, in my window. And I thought that that was really, really sad. But I also appreciated the opposite effect of what it did, which was bring me in, which would bring someone like you guys in the store just for that simple support. When you are in some sort of diverse or marginalized group, we do look for the signs when we travel because unfortunately there's a lot of privileges that are not there for us. And so when we see that one little thing, it's like we run to it. So I can understand why the pride flag 
has a lot of meaning to you both when you see it in a destination because it absolutely offers uh, a sense of comfort and care. Yeah, exactly. So when you are traveling, what is the one thing you always look for in a destination? I mean, to be honest, we just really want to travel everywhere. So we don't have any specific things in mind. Like if we just feel like, oh, you know, we heard really great things about Portugal, you know, like let's book a trip to Portugal or, oh, we feel like being somewhere warm in the when it's winter here in New York City, like let's go to the Caribbean or something like that. <laughs> You sound like me. I'm like, ah, uh, that place. <laughs> <laughs> Most major U.S. cities in the United States have a gay district full of landmarks, bars, and businesses catering to the LGBTQ community. I wanted to know more about Gabby and Shanna's view on these neighborhoods and whether or not they consider them as must-see destinations. When you're in a city, internationally or domestic, how important is it to you to check out the local LGBTQ district? So when we're in any city, we do like to try to check out the LGBTQ district just because we think it's something really interesting to learn about, to talk about, and just to support. But at the same time, if we travel somewhere that doesn't have one, that's not something that we're super upset about. We'll go to it if it's there just to support it more or less. And also, we don't necessarily only want to go to places that are like LGBTQ friendly or LGBTQ inclusive because there are LGBTQ people everywhere in the world. So it doesn't matter if we're going to a place, you know, like Chicago that has Boys Town, for example, which is like a whole LGBTQ area, but we will still go to places like, for example, in the Philippines that it's not as LGBTQ friendly as some other places, but we still want to go there because if there are people there who are LGBTQ, they have experiences that are just as valid as anyone else. And really, we should be able to go everywhere in the world. We shouldn't have to not be able to go somewhere just because of our sexuality. So our message is always that we just want a world where one day everyone can go everywhere. Absolutely. And I live in Los Angeles and I'm from Chicago. And so I know all about Boys Town and I equate it to, we hope, to West Hollywood here in LA. And it's a place that I also love to go as a straight woman because I can just enjoy myself and not have to worry about some guy trying to pick me up. And I'm like, not interested. Yeah, exactly. I definitely have uh, frequented the Abbey uh, just to, (laughs) (laughs) you guys laugh because you probably have heard of it um, (laughs) out here in Los Angeles. What is the biggest advice that you would give to LGBTQ travelers? To definitely do your research before visiting a place because you never want to go somewhere and have this kind of like idealistic view of it. And then you get there and it's not really what you thought it was because it could be like a big letdown if you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to have this amazing time here. It's going to be so romantic with my partner. And then you get there and you kind of don't really feel comfortable doing that. So I would just say, make sure like no matter where you go, even if it's in your own country, just like do your research, make sure that you're going to be safe there. And it's not only just Google, like there are so many LGBTQ blogs and Instagram accounts, just like ours, people from all over the world. So if you ever have a question, you should definitely message us or any one of the other amazing LGBTQ travelers in the world, because they have actually experienced those things. And they can tell you from their perspective, you know, what it was like, what they did, what they didn't do, etc. So I definitely think my advice is just 
do your research, but at the same time, like don't be too worried about it because you still want to be able to have fun. You don't want to be worried the entire time about, you know, this and that and whatever. It's like, do do your research, just be conscious of it, but then just go out there and have fun. Fun is one of the driving forces of me and my travels. And that's for sure. It's like, is it slightly dangerous? Is it an adrenaline rush? And am I going to have a great time? So totally really, really, really high on the list. Besides New York and San Francisco, what city has the best Pride celebrations to each of you that you would love to share? So I would say Amsterdam has an amazing Pride celebration. You know, like they get out on boats. It's just like a huge celebration. So that would be one that I would really recommend people going and checking out, of course, when there are Pride celebrations again after COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Shanna, do you have a, a place that you love? I haven't actually been to another Pride besides New York City Pride, but I would say that we just went to Provincetown, Massachusetts, and it was definitely like one of the most LGBTQ-friendly places we've ever been to, probably the most LGBTQ-friendly place we've ever been to. So I can imagine that their Pride is probably amazing. And what is next on your travel bucket list for each of you? Which will probably be together. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, So actually, we were supposed to go to Portugal for my birthday, which was in April. But obviously, that did not happen. So Gabby has been saying that whenever we can, we're going to go to Portugal and we're going to pretend like it was my 29th birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's actually really fun. And when you're in Portugal, make sure that you have an opportunity to go listen to Fado. Have the dinner, listen to the Fado music. It is probably one of the most romantic, beautiful, and intimate experiences you can have, not only with a partner, but with the culture there. And so I just want to throw that in there for your 29th in quotation marks, official birthday. (laughs) Okay, perfect. We're going to have to do that. I mean, I don't care if she's 35 years old, like we're celebrating her 29th birthday in Portugal. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I really like the both of your energy. You guys are super positive. You're like, I'm seeing the world no matter what. I would like to thank you both for being here. Is there anything you like to share with our listeners that they could learn from your experiences in traveling the world as a couple? I mean, I would just say that we have been documenting our travels together since 2016. We have Instagram, we have YouTube channel, we have a blog. So if anyone is traveling to any place and they just want to know if we've been there, if they want to just chat with us and see what we think, just feel free to message us. Like we will talk to anyone, we'll give you advice. And if we don't have advice ourselves, we know so many other people who would have the advice that you would need. So Really, it's just if you want to travel, if you are a member of the LGBTQ community and maybe you don't feel comfortable or you have a lot of questions, just message us. Check out our content. We have a lot. Amazing. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much to Gabby and Shanna for sharing their adventures with us. You can find them at 27travels.com and on Instagram at 27travels. That's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Traveling Leisure. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Jamila Zaral-Williams, Lena Beck-Sillison, and thank you to our digital executive editor, Deanne Kazursky at Traveling Leisure. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. 
You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me, your host, Kelly, at Kelly Set Go. And that's Kelly with three E's.